0: All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. And Andrew, fuck, I forgot to think of a horror movie quote for today.
1: Um... Did they say
0: fuck in a horror movie at any point? No, I don't think so. Okay. No, I, I, yeah.
1: Mm. It's like, a little too adult.
0: No, I think they did say it in Psycho. Um, when Janet Lee gets stabbed, uh, she yells fuck like really, really loudly. And it was a
1: huge deal. Oh, I deal. heard that.
0: Yeah. Um, and then also in um, Night of the Living Dead, um, the moans are just really, really slowed down fucks over and over and over again. So that's that. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't know if oh. you knew that, but George Romero was very adamant about including that in there. All right, cool. So we've made sure that this episode has a M rating. Wonderful. So <laughs> thanks for uh, starting out this podcast, listeners. Uh, my name is Dan. And I'm Andrew. And we are two friends who met over in South Korea, and we bounded over our love for horror movies. So this is Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies, where we get together and we analyze and discuss a horror movie every week, two weeks, depending on our schedule, depending on how that's going. We really should set that up. But Yeah, probably. But that's that. So, uh, Andrew, how you been doing?
1: I've been pretty good, you know, uh... Got, what is it, like 30 more days of school left? Mm Mm-hmm. Living that dream? Yeah. Of actual classes? Mm Mm-hmm. How about yourself?
0: Same here. Same here. We got about like twenty five days of school left right now, and half of my class is checked out. But it is what it is, and it's it's okay. But it's okay. So I actually just um, started. Uh, was talking to one of my friends up in Virginia, and she is a music therapist, and she plays like five different instruments. And she was just telling me that she has a secret, secret shame, and not to tell anyone. So I'm. You got to keep it between us and all of our listeners, right? Okay, she said that she was really, really in and still is to early 2000s techno music like Aqua and Vega Boys and uh, Toybox and all of that good stuff right there.
1: Well, you can't blame her. The Vegaboys are great.
0: Yeah, I mean, just those Six Fight commercials all over and over again. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, but did that, um, did uh, the old guy, the dancing old guy, did he ever go down to fame and stardom or was that his peak?
1: Uh, that was actually a young woman in makeup. Really, my sister. My sister actually knew her.
0: Wait, are you doing a bit or?
1: No, no. My sister actually knew her.
0: Okay, full stop. This is not a bit. This is actually something that you know. Yeah. Okay.
1: I want to know this it, entire woman's life story right now. I, I, that's all I know about her. My sister knew her, and yeah, it's just a, a woman in, in makeup Damn. and stuff. Dude, Damn. you think that any old man is that limber? Yes. All right. Fair, <laughs> right. No. Fair enough. I mean, maybe Stanley. Like, Maybe you know,
0: Stanley. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I in, the, was just, in the past. Yeah. Past Stanley when he was not quite old, old just yet, but he was all right old and well, I, spent, I
1: spent not dead, but like yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, but you know, not ninety. 92, up, up ninety two. Up until that
1: moment he was he was he was fly as hell. Exactly.
0: God, yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna have some research to do after that. Anyway, uh so yeah, so we've got Game of Thrones tonight, so we gotta make sure we wrap this up quicker than usual. But today's movie we are talking about is one that you suggested. So do you want to go ahead and introduce it?
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, We're uh, going over the movie Waxwork. It's a 1988 uh, horror comedy, I'd say. Mm I haven't quite looked it up. Uh, Starring my buddy, um, Zach Gilligan, uh, from... What do you call that movie? Gremlins. Gremlins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. And uh, definitely, I feel... There's a lot of influence from Gremlins, and especially Monster Squad, too. Uh, but we'll oh, talk dude, about yeah. that in a little bit right there. So yeah, it was released um, the day I was born, or not the day I was born, the month year I was born, about six oh, months after you. I was born. And it, um, it was a movie. It was a thing. You're old. So overall, what did you think of Waxwork? Because you oh, haven't seen this, this in a long time, right?
1: Yeah, it's been uh, three or four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a long time, but I... I Actually, I got a subscription to that service, Shutter yes. specifically to watch this movie. Uh uh-huh. um, cause I was really curious about it, and I love it. Gotcha. It's awesome. Cool.
0: Cool. Um, yourself? general first impressions of this movie, it was okay. I'll like, you. I felt like they're, they're, the, the, the comparison between Gremlins and Monster Squad was very apt. The slapstick sense of humor was very, very, um, Similar, and I kind of got the same feeling through that right there. But it just seemed like those movies did it better. And in terms of what this movie Waxwork does to stand on its own, I didn't feel there was a lot unique about it. But I mean, it was it was solid. It was okay.
1: But we'll talk. I it's a great '80s movie, and, and for the concept, yes. Like I would have, I would have liked to see the concept explored more. There is a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Waxwork Two in Time. I remember trying to watch it and just not caring at all.
0: Okay, yeah. So they go the Looney Tunes route, Looney Tunes in Time.
1: Kind of. It's, it's like I think they go back in time, but I feel like it's kind of the same idea where they go back to like different horror movies in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what the reason for it is. Okay. I'll have to watch it again at some point, all right. or maybe not.
0: Sounds good. So it looks like we're a little bit at odds with this one, but not a huge amount. It's just, you know, you love it, and I'm kind of well, lukewarm towards it. So, I would say love yeah. is
1: probably a strong word. I'm probably, I'm probably more where you are. I just come in enthusiastic because it's Zach Gilligan.
0: No, I want to argue. I want okay, argue. with right. Andrew.
1: Fuck <laughs> you. All right. It's Halloween all over again. Let's go. <laughs>
0: So yeah, let's get started on uh, discussing waxwork. So all right. we start off with an opening that I actually honestly love with this old house in the middle of the night and there's a big storm outside and a man, we have no idea who he is, we have no idea what his story is, but he gets shoved into a fireplace um, and there's like, breaking glass all over and it's, uh, it's a hell of an opening. Um, yeah, that,
1: that song, Sing, 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 is playing really loudly in the background. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so he collapses his head in the fireplace, uh, back on fire, and they zoom in on his butt, and then the logo comes up, and it says, Waxwork. Um, now, I don't know if, because I saw this movie a couple days ago, and I kind of left right after the film finished. Um, what significance does this scene have? Is that the house that they turn into the wax museum,
1: or... Uh, no, that is that is where Zach Gillian lives. Um, it's it and that ends up being the house of his grandfather, mm-hmm. I believe, um, or so, somebody whoever. No, maybe, not as, maybe whoever owned the house. Mm-hmm. But that guy is the guy who has all the jewels and stuff that have the eighteen souls or whatever. Okay. So we we assume that the person killing him, um, he was his previous assistant, which turns out to be the curator later.
0: Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm.
1: So we were seeing him kill him to take the items to then get Start the eighteen the souls later
0: get all that right so, there yes
1: I do love though how like we see him get his face shoved into the fire mm-hmm. and then he stands up right where he is in place and just kind of stands there mm-hmm. doesn't run away doesn't move anything and just falls straight face first back into the fire like yep. instead of trying to get away from the fire yeah they're just like likes- ooh
0: need to have a cool shot for this bam there we go yep uh-huh. great great uh, yeah, so then we cut on over to our main character, who is Zach Dilligan, uh who is playing Mark, which is the wonderful rich person name Loftmore.
1: <laughs> oh God, I love this opening. It's uh, so good. Yeah, like it's like the best character introduction.
0: Okay, so describe it for me. What exactly happens here? Um, All right. I will so, say there's a very long table.
1: And, yeah, there's a very long table,
0: yeah. and. Two characters are on separate ends of it, and it seems like they're yelling back and forth at each other. Not physically, but because the table is so long, like, it's just, they have to look beside each other. It reminded me of the Simpsons scene, where they're all in Mr. Burns' Manor and they have to scream and yell at each other to look around to actually have a conversation at dinner. But continue. Go on ahead.
1: Yeah, so we, we meet uh, Zach Gilligan, and his name will be Zach forever. Fuck mm-hmm. Mark. Um, and he is sitting, eating... Uh, breakfast across from his mother, like on this really long table, and there's this huge like flower pot obstructing his vision of her, mm-hmm. and they're basically looking around at it, yes. uh, looking around at each other, um, and we get this very like proletariat bourgeoisie kind of like discussion back and forth of like the help and like how he's like, no, oh, the help doesn't do like work anymore, and like he's like, mom, I need coffee. It's the morning. I need my coffee, and she's like, no, you can't have coffee, and it's just like it's this very like childish discussion, and you're looking at it because Zach Gilligan is relatively, you know, he's probably like one, he's like early 20s. 20s early yeah. 30s mm-hmm. like yeah um and he's wearing like a a, a suit coat like a mm-hmm. white suit coat sitting at the table oh he's looking
0: dapper as hell yeah
1: and like and you and like i, I every time i watch this i have to remind myself that he's in college because mm-hmm. i keep thinking like, he's in high school because his mom is him like a child and he's like fine i'll go and he gets up and leaves um because his mom won't let him have any coffee and he says he needs it and i believe he even yells he says mom i need the caffeine yes he does say that mm-hmm. and she's just like fuck you uh so <laughs> he gets up um and he goes uh, to leave and he walks out and his butler's there with mm-hmm. his coffee. And he's like, uh, excuse me, sir, your, your coffee? I mean, caffeine? Like, Thank you, <laughs> Jenkins. He drinks it and then he lights a cigarette for him. And then he walks out and schmoozes out of this giant-ass ha- house. So we know he's like a rich fuck. Yes.
0: And um, I, I love that they named the butler Jenkins. Like, that is the most... You couldn't get more stereotypical butler name unless you went with Alfred Penningsworth. No. Uh-huh, yeah. Well,
1: and i feel like this this movie like the support like the help and by i literally mean like the help mm-hmm. in of his house i feel like are some of the greatest comedic moments of this movie yes <laughs> there's just so many ridiculous things going on um so he walks out and starts going to school and then we meet our uh, female characters mm-hmm. would you like to introduce them
0: uh yes so we have our two female characters right there we have Sarah and china um and China has this 80s perm going on that is reminding me a lot of the female lead from Better Off Dead, which is not a horror movie, but an amazing 80s slapstick movie. Um, And they're just kind of walking to school in suburbia, and they take a look, and they notice that a new building has opened up right next to all these residential houses, and there's this big sign on it called Waxwork. Um in terms of these two girls right there, uh they're very see
2: eighties does- is- is- hmm. like. Well, I think
1: I think they're very cliche. Like uh-huh. so China China's our China is our um kind of what do you call it? A she's the the girl who dresses fancily and slut. talks about yeah, you know I don't yep, want to say yeah. that, but you know talk, uh, <laughs> talks about uh, Mark and how Mark made her buy her drink or she uh-huh. made he actually made her pay for a drink when they were out and she's like oh what a scandal what a dick yeah um and sarah is our good girl who has like bows in her hair is always mm-hmm. wearing a, like a flower dress of some sort she in every scene does
0: have a bow in her hair
1: she always she has like multiple bows in her hair wow. like all the time uh-huh. like, they really wanted to like show that contrast yeah. in dressing she always wears white i believe and china always wears dark clothing yeah um china's
0: so- got no school books with her and sarah's got all these books because she's the studio swan. Yeah, yeah, I could
1: see it. And again, apparently, uh, this, this is like some community college they all walk to. Like, I swear to God, they, they this was supposed to be high school, and then they just realized these people look too old and they couldn't do it. Because, <laughs> like, no, we never see anything look like college except maybe, like, the class he walks into. But even that, you're kind of like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. It's, we'll, we'll talk about the class when we get to it, but it's, it's yeah, like, weird. It's, um, uh,
0: and all the Nazi ideology and flags there and everything like that. It's good stuff. But, yeah. yeah so uh, then, uh, hey, yeah. Yeah, so uh, they're sitting there and they're talking and kind of admiring this new waxwork and saying to themselves, why the hell would everyone, anyone ever build a business here when the curator comes on out and the curator kind of talks to them for a little bit and, you know, not creepily at all, he says, by the way, we're having an opening party at midnight. You girls should come and bring four more of your friends only six people. We don't need any more. Bring only six people. And the girls say, "Well, sure. That doesn't seem creepy at all. Why not? Let's go." Um, did
1: you yeah. The, did you get the vibe that China was like into him or kind of like flirting with him a little bit? Yes. Like, I was just kind of like, "Oh, what the fuck!" Like, and he pops up in this like really like he has like an, I think it's like a it's, like a bright yellow or bright orange suit coat and like uh-huh. a, a pink like uh, neck thing and like looking very like I don't know. I feel like whatever that doctor was doctor who he he might I thought he was like going for that vibe Mm -hmm. one of the doctors I
0: kind of got a Willy Wonka vibe from it
1: oh I see that Gene
0: Wilder and Willy Wonka he's got this purple overcoat he's got these bright yellow pants he's got this pink vest and he's got this red scarf um yeah he just seems like top hats and a cane yeah and he has the ability to teleport for reasons so cool he literally just
1: appears out of nowhere yep and then multiple times
0: and then they turn and that's that um not a great haircut, though. It's no, uh you know, se- he's,
1: he's, he's, he's a man of his time, all right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like a comb-over. I mean, I, I don't think it ever gets to the point right there. But I could, I, it's,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, mm-hmm. male baldness is a real problem. Both my brothers are afflicted by it, and I, you know, my heart goes out to them. But oh. it looks like a, it definitely looks like a comb-over. And
1: he's a good Of course the <laughs>
0: So, yeah, uh, so he invites these girls into the midnight opening of this waxwork. And actually, this is about part I had my notes right here. I've actually never heard of the term waxwork until this movie. I've always heard of them referred to as wax museums or Ripley's Believe It or Not museums. Um, but I've never heard of it as a waxwork. So I did a little bit of research after this, and apparently it's more of an English term. Oh. Um, that's what they call it over there. I did talk to my English friend, Tom, um, about that. And, uh, yeah, apparently it actually is a thing, uh, for that, but I've always just heard to refer him to as wax museums.
1: So, did our guy have a, have a British accent?
0: Uh, he did not. No. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: I was curious. All right. All right.
0: So I don't know. Cool. Waxwork does sound cooler. I mean, it's the name of the movie. It's wax or wax museum. And hmm. we've already done house of wax. Well, no house of wax came. no. House of Wax was Vincent Price originally in the yeah. 60s, right? Yeah. Classic. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we can't do that one. Mm-hmm. And it was so really we, we can totally
1: do the uh, Paris Hilton one. That'd be down.
0: Yes, yes, we could. Anyway, down. so they get invited, they're good, and then we get to the classroom scene. So, um, I will say that I did not see this classroom scene coming.
1: Nope, nobody does. <laughs> no, nobody expects it.
0: So tell us about this classroom scene, Andrew.
1: All right, so I don't know if this is a history class or just a class on dictatorship, uh-huh. uh, but we cut into... a. A, this bearded guy uh, sitting there talking about the German occupation of Lithu- Lithuania. Yes. And there's like, a flag there, with a swastika on it. I don't quite know if that's a, what flag that's supposed to be, because it's uh-huh. not like the traditional German flag or the Nazi flag that we think of when we yes. see it. Yes,
0: but it does um, have the swastika on there. So.
1: Mm-hmm. And like, so uh, Zach comes in a little bit late and mm-hmm. so he's assigned to write a 20-page essay on the German occupation of Lithuania. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gives him some lip, so he also signed a 40-page essay on the trouble with dictators. Mm-hmm. Uh, which will come back for a great joke later. Yes. Um, and so Mark just fucks off. Like, Mark's like, uh-huh. i out. So he leaves. Um, and we cut to this, like, again, I feel like, I swear to God, they're in high school because they're they're sitting on a football field, like, bleacher set talking. Mm-hmm. And they, they come back to the set a lot. Yeah. Um, and so they're there talking about uh, how Mark's going to give up drinking again for mm-hmm. the third time because he's, you know, tired of drinking and getting wasted, and he's really uh, wants to fuck uh, China. Yep. Um, and while they're doing this, we keep getting this weird cut to the football players, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't quite know why.
0: To show uh, that they're at a football game, or they're watching the practice, or whatever.
1: I, I guess so. Like, uh-huh. there's, there's weird cuts to them like doing things, and I feel like. Yeah. Part just because they realize that just a shot of them sitting there talking will be kind of like what they did in Captain Marvel. Yes. Like, well, that's, that's a bad idea for directing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and that's doesn't help. the comment I was
0: going to say. Like, this, this scene they keep, this camera angle they keep coming back to throughout the movie when the characters are sitting there talking, it's basically they're facing the characters head-on on the bleachers, um, and just the background is completely the bleachers. Like, there's no sky, there's no ground, there's no around the bleachers, it's just the bleachers and a little bit of the stairs on the right. And all the characters are kind of sitting next to each other in these two rows. And it's just, it's very, honestly, for me, because I was still getting to know these characters, it was hard for me to tell who was talking, because mm-hmm. the camera is so pulled away that whenever they start talking, you're like, okay, whose mouth is moving? That mouth right there. Oh, who's distinct? Uh, you know, China and Sarah are distinct, but all the other guys, besides Mr. Richie Rich. Um, Tony? Zach uh, is, oh. or not Tony, uh, Zach is the rich guy, right?
1: Yeah, well, Tony, oh, yeah, Tony also uh, wears like, a suit half, in like, half the time, doesn't he?
0: Yes, he does. Uh-huh. But besides them, like I, 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 actually, I honestly have a really hard time telling all these characters apart. Um,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But uh, yeah, they keep coming back to it. And I, I, I guess they kind of get the impression that these characters are kind of a little bit of outcasts at their college slash high school slash whatever at this point. Um, that's the impression I got as I was watching this scene. Hanging on the bleachers, not joining anyone else,
1: but... I don't know. Yeah, it's... Well, yeah, I don't get it. It's, it's a little breakfast club, but... Yeah, it is. I it's mm-hmm. I don't think they knew what they were doing, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so they... Uh, they they invite them to the uh, wax work, and they're like, all right, cool, let's go. Um, and so we kind of cut to them then all sitting in a room, all kind of dressed up. Mm-hmm. All sitting around. Basically, it's really awkward, because then they're wearing, like, suits. Mm-hmm. Zach's wearing, like, a pink polo and a sport jacket. Yeah. Um... And then there, and then Tony's kind of there making weird jokes, which I don't quite get. Um, I forget he's just like I forget at one point he just, like everyone just starts laughing, and I didn't quite get what happened. I tried to rewind it, I still didn't get it.
0: Yeah, I did the same thing too. Like, it just the dialogue was just really stunted, and I couldn't quite understand what exactly he was saying. But yeah, they laugh, and it's kind of awkward, but yeah. it is what it is. So, and
1: then, and then their buddies, they have I, I can't tell like Jen and James. Mm-hmm. Are these other two characters who kind of peer on the bleachers, appear in the scene, and they decide not to go. So they leave, yeah. which thank mm-hmm. God because I didn't remember their names. <laughs> um, so they leave. Um, Except so for the, this
0: moment, right now, you remember their names.
1: I I've written down, but I don't know what uh-huh. I, I have question marks because um, I said James. I have James in gems question mark, which uh-huh. I'm guessing are not their names. Um, but basically, they, they leave and they go to the uh, wax work. They arrive uh, and the little and they go in the door. Like Zach goes up because they're a little afraid to go in. And mm-hmm. Gets up there and the door opens and like holy shit! But then it turns out there's this little kid there, not little kid, little person there. Yep. Um, and someone with dwarfism. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, we were expecting more people.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh huh. But he actually he says that to the camera after they go inside, which I thought was kind of weird.
0: Yeah, uh, like, and I, I guess they're kind of doing a pun and cheek. Because Gremlins, and especially Gremlins 2, was kind of the same way, too, where there were a lot of fourth wall breaks where they talk directly into the camera, they do something for the audience specifically.
1: What um, are you talking about? Gremlins is a masterwork. You you're never unsutured from the film. I
0: never said it was a of suture. It's a master
1: of suture. <laughs> suture. Don't you tell me this.
0: Gremlins pulled it off. I'm not sure this movie did. But anyway, well, no, um, no in, movie in terms of the fourth Gremlins. wall breaks, yeah, uh-huh.
1: Wait, do they though? I don't. When does Gremlins break the fourth wall? I, Gremlins, Gremlins 2, definitely two definitely does. Oh yeah, Gremlins um, one. Is, and I, is
0: I feel like there were a couple times in like Gremlins one where they kind of did it. So, um, but yeah,
2: no, did there was the scene a Gremlins in Gremlins
0: 3? one where they're talking about the death down the chimney, and you know how the guy got stuck in the chimney or the dad got stuck in the chimney, and then the girl turns to the camera and says, "Hey, that's fucked up, right?" And that was the Gremlins F
2: bomb.
1: No, no, no. Does that happen? You lie to me. Phoebe Cates is is scarred and she is sitting there and it's terrifying <laughs> and you cry because you're, you're sad about her dad broke his neck trying to climb down to give her presents on Christmas
0: and then you wonder yourself wait like, what why did they include this scene in the movie this is the weirdest thing anyway look at the do you, Gremlins do
1: you, later do you, wait, have, do you remember Gremlins 2 when she gives like the speech about like I think it was like Memorial Day or something or <laughs> like we don't have time for this stuff I
0: love Gremlins too because of reasons like that like it's that type oh. of fourth wall break but they really give deliberate callbacks to the criticism of the first film or just stuff like that. They, they did an amazing job with that. This one where the guy with dwarfism is, you know, kind of talking to the camera. Eh, yeah. So anyway,
1: but they're in exact, the wax work. Quick, quick aside. You know, the Gremlins three apparently is, is officially happening. What? The Chinese practical effects. What? Which is gonna be great. What? But this what? has been, this has been a thing in, they've, been, they've been saying for years, but apparently now it's like officially happening. Okay, cool. I'm so pumped. All right. Anyway, ooh, back ooh, to ooh. this.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, yeah, they get into the waxwork and they meet with. um, I uh, forgot his name. I'm not trying to talk about the character's name. I'm trying to talk about who was the strong arm character in the Adams family? He was the really, really strong brother. Was it like Clarg or Clorg or. Uh, oh, I have no idea. No, I'm looking this up. Thing? Right now. Not Uncle Thing. Thing? Thing was the hand. Uh huh. Oh. Ba, 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 ba. The original one right there. Anyway, so there's this butler, um, and he is basically this massive, strong Frankenstein-looking guy. Um, and there's not much that uh, he does. He brings them a drink, and he is very much a simpleton. And they talk about the waxwork, and kind of a little bit about the history of the waxwork, and. How it came to be, and then they decide to show everyone on a private tour. And I think I got everything in that scene, right? That was Well,
1: I, I think that, I don't think they let them in. I think that they like. I think they leave them in the waiting room, and the doors open automatically, and they go explore.
0: Mm, yes, because they are alone when they come on in, and they're just kind of very, very curious about this. Yeah. So they walk on into the waxwork, and I was actually like really impressed with the models that they did here. Um,
1: Wait, what? Hmm? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Wait, yeah. You're you're impressed?
0: Yeah, like with the waxwork and the design and everything like that. Like this scene right here where they're kind of wandering around and... Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Yes, wait.
0: Let, me, let me defend my dissertation right okay, here. Okay, okay. Um, so our heroes are, well, protagonists, are kind of walking around this waxwork right there. And there's a whole bunch of different, like, stands and uh, exhibits set up behind these red velvet ropes. And they depict... All of these scenes of gruesome murder, like there's one where a guy is sitting down on the grass and he's being attacked by a guy with an axe. There's another vampire themed. There's one with a creature in a cage, kind of looks like a carnival and he's reaching his claws to claw at this guy's face. One that really stuck out to me um, was there was this woman by this Ford Model T and this masked... um, The Invisible Man? Yeah, the Invisible Man is taking a gasoline pump and shoving it down her throat. And I thought that I was like, damn, that's creepy. Um,
1: yeah, but I got to ask you a question. Yes. What do you think of the waxwork themselves?
0: Like the actual waxwork statues? Yeah. I mean... Do you I've notice that they been, move? I've never been to a waxwork before. Oh, no, they're I did not to, notice that totally they are probably just moved. actors
1: standing there, and they're moving and breathing.
0: I did not notice that. <laughs> How did I not notice that?
1: You just got, just got to watch them. They're so funny. They're like... Okay, I know. I've got rough. this thing pulled up right now. It's just like, watch, find, just find a scene of somebody that okay. not like, covering the Okay, i got the guy on the stairs. He's moving. Like, I so do see nobody. the mummy moving. Mummy's moving. Yep. <laughs> it, like, they just have actors stand there. They didn't think like freeze the frame or something, but it's like, nope. <laughs> it's so funny because they'll be like, look at this. Look at how good it is. And the guy will be kind of like blinking almost. And you're just like, uh... <laughs> Bro, I think I think these are alive. I think I think I think the you know the uh, hint has been given away early on in this movie. Okay,
0: now was that intentional or do you think the director just fucked it up?
1: Oh no, they're as fucking cheap as hell.
0: <laughs> so yeah, um, so uh, one of the characters, um, Tony, uh, is kind of wandering around and he drops his lighter in one of the exhibits. So he reaches on in and. They've got this really kind of Doctor Who effect where he transports through a portal, um, invisible portal in the exhibit, and ends up in the middle of the woods. And Tony's reaction to this is... So so good. Tony goes, Okay, guys, funny, practical joke. You teleported me, ha-ha. And then he goes, Wait a second. I've been hypnotized in this very John Mulaney sounding voice. Ah, you got me, guys. This is just a dream. Nothing can hurt me. And, yeah. Uh, and he just kind of wanders on through, like,
1: well, doesn't I think, not a care I think in the his, world. His first line is, alright, guys, who put acid in my drink again? China? Yes. <laughs> Like, this is the thing that happens to him enough that he's just like, alright, whatever. Ah,
0: oh, you guys transporting me into the spooky woods again. You are, oh, you rascals. Oh, so man. good. He's kind of, a, I guess they kind of try and make him out to be the comedic relief slash stoner of the group. Um, which, yeah. uh, you know, so, eh, it's alright. So.
1: I found it a little short lived.
0: Yeah, very, <laughs> very short lived. Um, especially uh, when he finds that cabin. And he goes into the cabin, and a werewolf arrives and fucking kills him. Uh, so, do you know who that
1: werewolf was? Huh? Do you, remember, do, you, do you recognize who that werewolf was?
0: Uh, No.
1: I'll give you a hint. You have his axe.
0: It's that fucking Gimli?
1: It's fucking Gimli. <laughs> it's oh John Reese davis f-
0: John Rhys-Davis is in there, and he played the werewolf? Yeah. I'm pulling up the Wikipedia right now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah,
1: it's so uh-huh. good. Nice. Nice. So so uh, yeah. So Tom walks in there. Uh Is that Tom? Tom? Yeah. So he goes in Uh, there. Tony. Yes. Mm -hmm. Tony. Tony meets goes in there. He meets John Reese Davis. John Reese Davis like GPFo bro. Uh Shit's going down. And he's like, I'll leave. And he goes to leave. And then he comes back in. And Uh uh, John Reese Davis turns into a werewolf. Mm -hmm. And uh, these two werewolf hunters appear. Yes. Uh, And uh, through John Reese Davis going crazy, uh, he uh, bites uh, Tony, and -hmm. Tony kind of falls against the wall. And the Mm -hmm. two uh, hunters take. Out John Reese davis I think one of the hunters gets his head ripped off or something. Uh,
0: his head squished, yeah. Oh, no, he actually gets torn in half.
1: Um, oh, yeah, yeah, he does. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's great, though, because uh, the werewolf in this movie, like, at first I thought he was biting him, mm-hmm. but then I realized his mouth wasn't moving because the mouth, the, the prosthetic or the mask does not have a yeah. movable mouth. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of rubs his face against the guy's face a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great. But yeah. uh, so they kill the werewolf and uh, Tony is like, oh, cool. But then he starts to turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tony starts to turn and as he does the uh vampire or the werewolf hunter shoots him in the mm-hmm. head with a uh, silver bullet and yep. we get this kind of cool cut where he's he kind of dies and then we kind of zoom out and we see that his body like this new werewolf body that he has is mm-hmm. now part of the waxwork so yes. we kind of zoom out and see that the scene that we just saw is now kind of frozen in time in the waxwork mm-hmm. when he died
0: So we kind of have step one of understanding this Waxworks master-slash-grand plan, um, which is to kill all these people and turn them into wax figurines for nefarious reasons that are explained at the end of the movie. So, next we head on over to China, (coughs) And China is in Castlevania lands, uh, where she meets up with a couple of vampires. Um, And it's... Another scene that's just, it reminded me a lot of, have, did you ever play the old PC game Phantasmagoria? No. Um, it was a horror visual novel about this woman who explores the spooky castle, but it incorporates a lot of elements of horror, including cannibalism and force-feeding, and this whole diner scene really, really... It uh, reminded me a lot of this one scene in Phantasmagoria where a woman dies by being force-fed raw meat to death. And it's a oh, really geez. creepy scene. But anyway... Actually,
1: that makes me wonder. I, I, I had a question for you. Yes. So she sits down at this table with these vampires. And they give yes. her what we assume is flesh yes. and stuff. But she eats it and does not complain. And doesn't like, seem to actually get the weird aside from like when she first eats it. Two like, things. Yeah.
0: First... Um... I kind of assumed because right after that she puts a napkin up to her face that she spit it out.
1: That's what I thought at first. Uh-huh. But then I kept watching it, and we have no like no, we never see it happen, and we never see any reference to it. Like mm-hmm. the thing doesn't ever look super bloody. So like I assumed mm-hmm. that at first too. But then that is like she spit the blood back into it. Like I feel like we would have maybe it was just bad editing and bad yeah, special effects.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I assumed right there. But I assumed she spit the um, thing back out, and then two. Um, she's terrified. Like, that's but, the whole thing right there. She doesn't really protest because she's like, oh, I guess I gotta eat it. Oh, man. But, mm-hmm. but she
1: doesn't quite get it, though, because, like, when, when she goes, so, like, after, after she eats, she, uh, they send her up to her room, and she's not mm-hmm. freaking out at that point. She only starts to yep. freak out when Vampire Guy comes into the room. Yeah. So I do not quite I, get that. I part don't of know. me was, like, was she glamored? Like, was she glamored into eating it? And then, mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of uh, True Blood lately, so glamor is not part of my vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,. So
2: uh
0: well, I started watching Sabrina, so I guess we got to turn in our. Uh, uh, anyway, um, oh,
1: well, Sabrina is great. Oh, you in the new series? Yeah, the new series. Yeah, uh, I have. I have. We should talk about some sometimes. I have problems with it.
0: Okay, so let's <laughs> go ahead to that. So basically, China is sitting down for dinner with these vampires, and there's this whole big scene where the vampires like, "Oh, I have some." dinner for you, and it's obviously raw meat and it's implied that it's probably human flesh. Well, no, it is it is human flesh, as we find out later. It's her husband. Yes, uh-huh. So, um, eats it, or she spits it out, or whatever it is, and, like, there's a whole big thing where the vampire goes, would you like some more sauce, and pour some blood on it, and, um, whoever plays the lead vampire, uh, he did a pretty good job at that part, right, though, like, I was Miles O'Keefe, which, I don't know what else it's been in, uh, he was Tarzan, Oh, what? Yeah, uh, not not in the Disney movie, but uh, in a nineteen eighty one version of Tarzan, and that's that. But he okay. does a good job as Dracula.
2: Yeah,
1: um, I, I thought all the vampires were kind of fun. Like I thought they yeah. were they they were kind of like a ridiculous family that I liked it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I, I love fun. I love it like when she starts eating it, and they all start eating, and then they are just like slurping down the blood, and it's just like it's a ridiculous like just like mm-hmm. the way to eat. They just like yep. go at it.
0: Yep. Yep. So she retires to her bedroom for the night, and that's when she finds out that one of the other guys who come on in is a vampire. And she's like, oh, man, vampires. So she starts to run around and eventually finds her way into this uh, kind of morgue-looking place. It's, um, so, it's
1: so anachronistic compared to, like, the, like, the gothic setting.
0: Yeah. It's, it's,
1: um, a, it's a white pile like a fucking bathroom. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> It honestly reminded me a little bit of Rocky Horror, the lab in the basements. Um, oh, I see Especially that. with the, uh, you know, gothic architecture of the upstairs and that one right there. So yeah, uh, so she finds her husband in there. And this is where I kind of, so this waxwork, they're creating these fictional universes. Um, and in those fictional universes, whenever someone steps inside, they become a character in that universe, correct? Mm, yes. Yes. Um, when Tony was put into the vampire, or not the vampire, the werewolf universe, was he a character in that one too? Because he kind of still seemed like everyone was just kind of treating him as a fish out of water.
1: Well, I think he was just a, I think he was just a fish out of water character. Because like, remember, he got the hair and stuff, his hair changed, his clothing changed. Yeah. So he was just like a peasant guy who happened to be there.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So anyway, actually, um, And I believe
1: John Reese davis knew him. I believe he called him a name. Okay. So he yeah, made, I guess he was part of that, yeah.
0: All right. So, yeah, so she finds her husband on a slab on the middle of the floor, and his leg is pretty much completely gone.
1: Yeah, it's all flayed.
0: Yeah, all flayed. There's a rat on there just kind of moving back and forth, and we get the implication that she has eaten her character's husband's... Um So, yeah, the whole big thing right there. And her husband's just like, oh, they're all vampires. Come on, let's escape and, you know, get on out of here. And then he eventually goes, no, save yourself. But the vampire from the bedroom eventually finds her down there. And the husband kind of talks her through it and says, you know, oh, make a cross. You have to stab him in the head. And this is, I don't know too much about the authentic Bram Stoker vampire Dracula lore, but she just takes two knives and makes a cross out of them. Is that enough to Uh stop a vampire?
1: I don't think in the, in the novel, but, like, mm-hmm. lore... You know, like, what, what's the difference between that and, like, fucking tying two sticks together? Well, right?
0: one has religious implications. Like, it's, you know, most crosses have been blessed by, blessed by a priest or, you know, created for religious purposes. You know, just sticking two of them together. What if it's did X? Like, what if she just tilted it slightly 30 degrees? Would that still be okay? No, you're or fucked. Would that be like, no, it's gotta be a cross. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But I, I do love it. So, like, uh, so when, the, when this vampire attacks... It's yeah. fucking ridiculous because so basically the, the husband's on this examining table and yes. the vampire's on one side of it and she's on the other. And uh-huh. rather than like, you know, vampire's way over or something, he just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, when you're kind of lazy and you don't want to reach for something, so you just kind of lean across it. He just leans yes. over the husband and like swipes at her with his hands and like doesn't fucking go after her. So she just like <laughs> runs back and forth while he like is stopped by this table
0: uh-huh and then he is uh you know he lays on top of this bloody leg dude and he's just like rah, rah, and the whole
1: time the husband's screaming like
0: that's my leg ow there's not much leg left but ow
1: it hurts it's it was so, it's ridiculous like it's like, yeah. it, like that vampire deserved to die uh, yeah uh-huh. yeah so, so she takes the two knives makes a crucifix mm-hmm. pushes it into his head and his head blows up yep um and like so it explodes it's yeah like uh-huh. all over the place and yep. uh so she does that and the husband's like yo bro uh Break that fucking chair over there and make some mm-hmm. steaks. So she does that. But as she does, the Dracula wives appear. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she stabs two of them. And one of them yes. she kicks, which is like, I love this death. She pushes one of them into a, there's like a wine cellar down there. So yeah. And I believe it's, it's a, has to be champagne the way it explodes. But mm-hmm. she, she pushes the vampire into the champagne such that all the bottles protrude through this girl's chest. And like open up and explode and shoot champagne everywhere. It's, it's great. It's a great little okay, death. Cool.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, So yeah, she eventually makes her way back up to the same dining room where they ate dinner before, and Mr. Dracula is right there. And as we all know from Twilight, one of uh, Vampire's great powers is the ability to seduct. Also, that was in the original novel as well, Mm but, you know, I just thought I'd...
1: Uh, it's oh, called, it's, called let's, let's it's called glamouring come on let's with these true blood terms how glamoring
0: okay, well listen, mr. Stooky stackhouse, Allen Ball, whatever it is. you tell me exactly scientifically what is going on in the scene when she is super turned on by mr vampire
1: she she's glamoured then he he bites her the end,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she dies <laughs> um. <laughs> She dead. She dead. Mr. Uh, Vampire, Mr. Dracula gets him, and she appears as the wax figure in the exhibit as well. So that's the end of China. Um, the next one we head on over to is Jonathan, who gets put into the Phantom of the Opera exhibits.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not... That's not, We're mm. not even there yet. We're not even there yet. Okay. What do we got next, then? All right. So after that, um, we kind of uh-huh. cut to Sarah, and Sarah's yeah. about to go into her own little wax work. Uh, she sees this guy in leather. Uh-huh. Saw, and she's yeah. kind of like turned on a little bit you can see she's like oh damn look at that that, that mm-hmm. leathery guy and his whip and Mark's yeah. like uh, let's go I think China and them left so they, mm-hmm. they peace out basically there's yeah. like, like little man's like uh, they left it's cool you guys can leave mm-hmm. um, so they leave um, and then after they leave we get your scene that you're talking about
0: yes mm-hmm And that's basically, he goes into the Phantom of the Opera display, and he gets sucked into it. And we really don't find out too much what happened in there. Like, that's a very quick...
1: We do get a nice Uh little scene. So the the guy comes in, and Uh uh, he sees the Phantom of the Opera, and he goes up to it, and he's like, oh, this is cool. And then the curator comes, and he's like, hey, uh, what's going on? He's like, oh, this is really great. It's like from the movie, Phantom of the Opera. And Mm. the curator's like, they made a movie out of that? What the fuck are you talking about?
0: Yes, I (laughs) do like that.
1: Then he just, like... So normally, uh, what we've seen so far is the characters walk into the waxwork, but the yes. curator just fucking pushes this guy in, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and normally, so when, when we see it, we see a cut to a scene of them getting, you know, being in the waxwork and experiencing the story, mm-hmm. but then we get to see what it looks like from the outside, so basically, yes. the curator pushes the guy in, and the camera zooms back, and we see the guy is dead on the on the, pe- on like the yeah, pedestal, it's so instant- we don't see so him die, it's whatever, just we can see the yeah. result.
0: Yeah, whenever they're pushed into the wax universe or whatever it is, it's, it's, instanti- it's yeah. instantaneous, instantaneous. Which is really cool. So, I kind of love that. Yeah.
1: Idea. I, think, I think it makes kind of some of the later scenes a little interesting, I feel like. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, we cut back to the hotel and we have uh, oh god, uh, bu- 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 Zach and Sarah um, <laughs> are kind of just talking back and forth about, oh, where are the rest of our friends? Oh, they probably went home early. Don't worry about them. No, I actually kind of am worried. And then we kind of get a romantic implication between the two. Yeah. Um, but Sarah basically says something like, Oh, what does she say exactly?
1: She's like, Nah, what, like, let's not do this. Yes. <laughs> I don't uh-huh. know. But like, the thing I love about that is so they're having that conversation, like, Oh, where's China? Where's Tony? And he's uh-huh. like, I bet China's out fucking Tony. And she's like, Oh, I don't know about that. He's like, Yeah. He's like, Why do you like her so much? And he basically talks to Sarah about how he wants to fuck China this whole time. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm into her. She's great. She's hot. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, you want to kiss? And she's like, uh. <laughs> Like, first off, I think I was kind of turned on by that marquee guy, but also, uh-huh. like, what? Like, I yeah. do feel like... Is part of the story for Sarah, like, sexual awakening? Because... Uh, like,
0: definitely with... I mean, that's kind of where her... <laughs> like, I, I feel like That's it's... where her character arc climaxes. And also, that's where she climaxes.
1: <laughs> like, I, I like, I feel like... I, I hate Taco, I feel, like, I feel like we get part of the story is, like... Her, she's not really interested in Zach because like, uh-huh. he's kind of like, you know, she has a sweet, innocent side and Zach's yeah. kind of like, yo, let's do it. And she's uh-huh. like, uh, you know, Markita saw it. can kind of turned me on. And I'm kind of into this like darker side of things. And Lifts I feel and like and everything, that's like it? part of her character in this movie. It's yeah. kind of an interesting, it's like a unique character story. I feel like
0: it's a reverse final girl sort of thing. Like, yeah. It's not the, mm-hmm,
1: yeah, that's it's that's the pure virginal
0: girl, but she's, you know, slowly being quote unquote, corrected. We're in reality. She's just, healthily exploring her sexual identity.
1: Yeah, and like, maybe it's not even that she's corrupted, but like this is just uh-huh. a part of her character that she's hiding yeah. because mm-hmm. she feels like she has to. Like, yeah, it's like a, it's like um, like a reverse Night on Elm Street, too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's that. Uh, but yeah, Zach has absolutely zero game. Um, <laughs> and he goes back to <laughs> his home where we get an update. Uh, <laughs> uh, the one thing that we, we've been wanting for this entire movie, what's going on with that book report?
1: <laughs> so, so we, 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 cut to the, we cut it, uh, back to Zach's house. And we see the, the maid, I'm assuming. Um, yes. and she's writing, she's like writing this paper and she's like crumpling it up and throwing it. And Zach comes uh-huh. in and is like, Oh, Hey, are you, are you done yet? And it's like literally late at night. Um, yeah. and she gives him the paper and he's like, Oh, great, great. Uh, so he takes it and he walks away. He's like, you're so great. And, you know, he gets a on the forehead and walks away mm. and he starts reading uh, the report she wrote and it says, uh, the trouble with dictators, I think big haters are, ba- are the bad people. They have shouting voices and small mustaches. <laughs> it's the best. It's like the best part of this movie. Like I that yeah. I mean to be. You know. Yeah.
0: And the maid is like the stereotypical Spanish housemaid who speaks very little English. And she's writing this whole book report. And it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's the book report right there. Um, and after that, we cut back to the bleachers. Um, where there are two less of them today, and there are just four of them sitting on the bleachers, and they're kind of talking and be like, oh, where's China? Where's Tony? Oh, you didn't see them last night? Oh, they were probably off screwing each other. And no, you know, I haven't talked to them at all. So this is when they decide to go to the police just to see if anything weird or fishy is going on. Mm-hmm. And we meet our detective of the story, Mr. Inspector Roberts. Um,
1: I did not know he had a name.
0: Yes, well, I didn't either until I have the Wikipedia pulled up right here. Oh, I see. And he has been in nothing interesting.
1: I, Miami Vice. I'm not surprised. Maybe.
0: That's it. Anyway. Um, yeah, so the three of them uh, Roberts and Zach, uh, and another detective whose name we don't get. I head on over to the waxworks and they meet with the curator and detective basically says hey so people have gone missing and stuff is happening so we need to go ahead and we need to take a look around curator goes oh yes please go right ahead we are but a simple waxwork please do so they basically can just go around and they start exploring the waxwork for a little bit um and there's a little bit of dialogue between the detective and the curator, um, just kind of talking about the history of the waxwork and how it came to be. Um, and then doesn't the detective, like, say he really, really admires ancient Egypt as well?
1: Yeah, he, he likes he likes like the, the mummy museum he sees or the mummy exhibits. Yes.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of foreshadowing for later. Well,
1: I, I love it. So, so he, goes, he goes and he kind of looks at the, the mummy scene and mm-hmm. uh, the curator's like, why don't you have a closer look? And, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh shit, he's gonna push him in just like he did to the other kid. Yeah. And the curator goes to push him. <laughs> he like, he pushes him, he pushes his back, but the detective uh, like, catches himself. And he's yeah. like, oh, I guess I should probably leave. Like, yeah, he's just like. Isn't like, did you just try to fucking push me? Like, yes. he's just like, what? He's just like, he's like I gotta go, man. Like, I, I guess you, I don't know what you're doing, but like, maybe you're making a move or something, but I gotta get out of here. And so. I'm
0: flattered, maybe a little curious, but the answer is no.
1: He just like, pieces out. He's like, all right, man, I gotta go. Uh, thanks for the sensual back massage there. And just like, leaves. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh,
0: uh, so, yeah, Detective talks to Zach, and Detective basically says, yeah, there was nothing I really found suspicious there. Uh, sorry, we don't know where your friends are, blah, blah, blah. So, pretty much that.
1: Yeah, and then... Okay, that, never mind, the other part comes later. Okay. Uh-huh, yeah.
0: uh yeah. We get one more scene back in the classroom where they're talking about dictators. Um, and this is... Okay, so they keep heading back to all these Nazi ideologies and the Nazi ideals, and they st- keep discussing it. Um, what did you gather from that? Like, did that relate to the theme of this movie at all, or...?
1: Well, I was kind of thinking, like, we had the earlier scene with Zach, because you know, again, Zack's kind of a wealthy family. Yeah. They, have a, they have that weird discussion about, like, the help and, like, the being, like, a, a bourgeoisie kind of, like... Uh-huh. Character and their family. So there's, and,
0: are you saying there's an element of classism in this movie? I, or? I, I, yeah, and like kind of. And, uh-huh.
1: like, and I see like that the the dictator or the the German teacher I think is supposed to kind of align with uh, the curator in a sense. Uh-huh. And kind of like, but also I think that's just like you know though Nazi gold stealing the gems and stuff kind of like weird thing that they were doing back in the eighties. Yeah, it was just like mm-hmm. a thing.
0: Yeah, like I mean, I don't, I don't Indiana think, and Jones came out, so they were just like, hey, Indiana Jones had Nazis. Exactly. Let's go ahead and put that in there. I yeah, an
1: unfocused thing.
0: Yeah, very, very much so, too. And I was, that was my big thing, too. Like, they keep harping on this over and over again. This book report, this dictatorship, there's all of this going on. And then I was just like, what what, what statements are you trying to make here? Ooh. I,
1: uh-huh. You know, let's, let's, let's take this back a little bit. Let's think of what we yes. get. We okay. get vampire. Yes. We get werewolf. Werewolf. We fan get... Fan of the opera. Fan of the opera. We uh-huh. get uh, Marquis de Sade. So yeah. All kind of, like, foreign... Foreign otherness kind of coming into society. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Those are like the ones we kind of get highlighted. So maybe that's something to do with that. Like.
0: I mean, I could see elements of classism in all of that except for werewolves.
1: Well, werewolf isn't. Uh, like, what werewolf? Werewolf is.
0: Werewolf is a mystical disease, basically, that's been transmitted. Um,
1: what, what's and, the origin of that? Like, what's. Skin changers? That, what is, I don't know. I think, I like, like movie wise, they're probably just going from, like,. Like in the Wolfman, is that, does that take place in America? Like the original one?
2: Mm,
1: or Europe? Not sure.
0: Not sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's the
1: one I'm, that's um, the one I'm, it's I'm not It's European
0: folklore. Sure that's okay. the original origin of that right there. But, uh, so maybe. In terms of Wolfman, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Because I I'll feel like I'm those. trying to think of like all the different, like, taint. Like, I guess they all, they're all kind of taint in some way. Like, where it infects ooh, you. Ooh, 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 ooh. What?
0: Nazi Germany. Okay, so I got the Wikipedia page on werewolf pulled up right here. Nazi Germany used werewolf at the, as the mythical creature's name as spelled. Nazi Germany used werewolf, W-E-R-W-O-L-F, as the mythical creature's name. as spelled in German in 1942, as 1943, as the code name for one of Hitler's headquarters.
1: Ooh, is there also a vampire one?
0: Uh, in the world's final days, the Nazi Operation Werewolf aimed to create a commando force that would operate behind enemy lines as the Allies advance through Germany itself. And two fictional depictions of Operation Werewolf, one of which was in the television series True Blood. I knew it. Yep. Sookie. Okay. We've come full circle. Good. <laughs> Sorry if that was a spoiler. Uh, yeah, I got uh, yeah, I'm not that far uh, yet. I'm still in season okay. one.
1: What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I, I still yeah. only know... Vampires? I didn't know uh-huh. there were werewolves. I assumed that there would be.
0: Yeah, and apparently there's Nazis too later on. But oh, anyway, great. Uh, yeah. So okay, so that that might be onto something. I don't know. I will have to dig a little bit deeper in that. I'll go down that rabbit hole. Well, let's let's just say
1: that this is a great allegory for classism and the invasion of others, and you know the otherness of because you know even even the uh, curator is coded slightly. You know his mm-hmm. color, the, the colors he wears. We could code him as possibly being you know not heteronormative in terms of his uh, sexual preferences. So yeah. maybe, maybe it is an idea of this, the other influencing this culture of mm-hmm. these teens and yeah. coming into the town, appearing, disappearing, you know, it's.
0: Maybe he's Willy Wonka's law and lost brother who decided to go into waxwork instead of candy. And.
1: And you know, the yeah. only, the only place they feel comfortable is out on that bleacher set where, you know, it's, <laughs> it's the ideal of American life, watching football, even when you're in college and theoretically the football teams should probably be a little bit more serious and professional. Uh. <laughs> And, and,
0: and not only that, so there are three rows that they sit on, Um, and that bleacher's right there. The very bottom row, the very, very bottom run, are two uh, main characters, um, Zach and uh, Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, and then everyone else yeah, sits on a separate bleacher. And from the beginning scene to the scene in the middle when they're all in the bleacher's right there, they're still sitting in the exact same spot. So they're kind of representing that those on the top are the ones that are being fed on first.
1: Ah. And you know, and and it, it's just like when you go first sit in your first classroom and you don't change seats after. The permanence of your of your position, you know, they never move. <laughs> Damn.
2: And then
0: the scene where <laughs> Zach comes in and says that he's got diarrhea, that represents okay, no, I I think we've beaten this into the
1: No, this this is this is working perfectly. <laughs> this, is, this is great. All right. All right.
0: I'm done. My creative juice is out. Right. See you later. <laughs> so okay, have a good night. Thank you for listening. So our um uh, but, 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 uh, thank you, Teddy's Atlas. song was uh, Teddy's Atlas. Yeah, thank you to Teddy's Atlas for the use of this song. <laughs> okay, Great. so let's talk about the diarrhea scene.
1: All right, uh. all right. so so Mark takes so Mark is like, "Yo, bae let's go upstairs and check out my uh, attic." And she's like, "I told you not into that." And he's like, "No, no, it's cool. My grandfather's up there." So they go mm-hmm. up, they go up to his uh his basement. I say basement in my notes, but it's definitely an attic that you go up to. So he goes, <laughs> so he goes up to his attic, um, and they find his grandfather's old shit. And yes. uh, she pulls out this glowing magic book. But they uh-huh. don't really look at. He pulls it out and is like this is glowing and puts it down and don't really talk about it again. Uh-huh. Um, but they basically learn that the grandfather was the guy who was killed before, um, and yes. there are these thirty-six artifacts that mm-hmm. were missing from his house. Yes. Um, and the curator apparently used to be his assistant in the past, as we talked about mm-hmm. in our opening discussion. Yes. So they're like, "Oh shit, this is bad." Mm-hmm. Which yes. then we cut to the cop, and the cop is sitting in his like little coffee place where cops happen to sit, mm-hmm. and he's looking all his wanted posters.
0: Uh, a What's little it? bit ahead. Have we got to the part where the cop goes back down his own yet?
1: Uh, I, I was wondering about that because he goes in... I, I was wondering if my notes were out of order because that does happen first. I thought my notes were just yes. out of order. Okay, uh-huh. so, yeah, so the- yeah.
0: No, it does happen first. So what happens is the cop uh, kind of gets a little... Uh, I'm not so sure about this. So he goes back to the waxwork and sneaks in. And he... Goes over to China's face, uh, her wax figurine uh, sitting on the floor of the Dracula exhibits, and he just kind of cuts off a piece of wax from her cheek. And as he pries it open, he's noticing that there's still muscle and this weird black substance in her head that's definitely not wax, but something fishy is going on there. He reacts really coolly uh,
1: to that. I would, I would immediately be, holy shit, this is a body. He does not, he yes, does not have uh-huh. that. He clearly has not seen waxworks and seen what happened. Listen, uh, curator
0: tried to shove him, and he just kind of shrugged it off. So obviously, he he's not an easily surprised detective. He's seen some shit. He's just like, you know, man. After that, that uh, the the the, the, the gang shooting where ten little kids died, you know, homicidal wax curator just doesn't phase me anymore.
1: you do not blame him. But did you see Judge Dredd of this universe? Did you ever see the House of Wax, the Paris Hilton one? I didn't. And oh, because there's very similar scene with Jared Padalecki, uh mm-hmm. of Supernatural fame, uh, yeah. where that similar thing happens to him, but I think he's still alive at that moment, mm-hmm. and so I got, got a lot of deja vu from that. Maybe I wonder if that was actually called back to this. it would be kind of cool. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, um, possibly. It's nothing, like, it's nothing like the original House of Wax. Yeah. Um, but anyway. anyway
0: yeah. Carrie is passed. 36 right. artifacts.
1: Done. All right. Boom. Now, the cop, is, uh-huh. the cop goes back home, uh, looks at all his wanted posters for people, and he's like, you know, these people that are missing look a lot like those wax figures that were awkwardly moving because they were bad actors um, mm-hmm. so he goes back he's like I'm gonna go back again because it looks like these, these wax figures are actually people who um, mm-hmm. are missing so he goes back in yes. um, and he very nonchalantly walks right into the fucking mummy <laughs> like, like he just like <laughs> walks into it which I guess makes sense though because I guess like I'm, I'm assuming once a body once a waxwork takes possession of a soul it no longer is active so I guess yeah. when he put the vampire nothing happened but then so he had no reason to assume that anything bad was gonna happen walking into the mummy but he just kind of, mm-hmm. like, walks into it as if, like, there was, like... Because the part he walks into, he literally walks into, like, this... What would be a stone wall had he not yeah. disappeared into it. So uh-huh. he like, I guess I was assuming he's going to disappear into it. I don't know. But mm-hmm. he pops in there, and we see, um... That, uh... He is now part of a Indiana Jones-esque, like, scene where... Uh... They are opening a sarcophagus. Him, this mm-hmm. woman, and, uh, her grandfather or father, the explorer, um but when they do it they learn that they are condemned to a painful death mm-hmm. uh so while you assume a mommy's gonna pop out that sarcophagus they just opened another one mm-hmm. instead it pops out of a lateral sarcophagus behind them
2: mm-hmm.
1: and does he like what happens to the father character does he like his neck snap i, I didn't write that down
0: the the head squish
1: yeah head squish there we go okay. yeah
0: no I was, I was hoping i was gonna talk about that because i actually thought that was like a really cool scene um Actually, I don't think it's the father. But uh, the sarcophagus, the lateral sarcophagus, mummy pops on out and just starts walking towards one of the assistants, uh, one of the Egyptian assistants, who I'm assuming was just kind of like a Sherpa-style character for these, you know, characters right there, um, gets on the ground and starts groveling um, towards the mummy to just kind of show mercy. Mummy comes on over. As the guy's groveling on the ground, steps on his head and just keeps pushing down on it until his head just explodes on the ground. it's a pretty cool special effect. I, like, it. genuinely, you don't see the mummy as strong as that because it's basically a decaying corpse. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when the father figure picks a spear and then starts attacking the mummy. Mm-hmm. And he rams the spear through the mummy, and the mummy just kind of turns around and said, fuck you do to me, bitch. And he basically hugs the father figure okay, that's with right. the spear still embedded. And so the spear goes to the father figure. It's a badass death.
2: Yeah,
0: it's a good one. So that's that. Um, So they kind of get intertwined in that way and then pull it on out. And that's when Mummy comes on over and takes the two surviving characters, the detective and this other female character that was just there in the tomb scene, and tosses them both in the tomb and places the cover on top of them with the corpse... And that's the detective.
1: I kind of love that. I thought that was like a cool death because it's kind of fucking yeah. sucks, but it's also like yeah. great.
0: <laughs> yeah. Buried alive. Oh my God. So short anecdote. there's a um, haunted house called the Dungeon of the Doom up in Chicago, uh, which I would definitely recommend going if you are, make it that way during Halloween. But what it is, is it's an old abandoned warehouse and it's two floors and it is, takes about two hours to get through the whole thing. And it is by far the best haunted house I've Ever been to? It is incredible. One of the exhibits they do is they simulate you being buried alive. They oh, have about um eight people in a group, and then they make you sit down on a wooden floor. And then what they do is they drop what is essentially well, they put you in total darkness, and then they drop a whole bunch of um, ball pit balls on top of you, but you don't realize it at the time what's hitting you, and you know, you're, you basically you just sit there as the balls just completely cover you up, and then the floor kind of slides over by the walls, and you kind of move this out. So, that's that. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Uh, so, let's get moving right there. Uh, so, we find out what happens to the other people, and... Then we meet up with someone who actually knows what's going on in this movie, um, Mr. Man, whose name I forgot. Sir That's Wilfred. Sir Wilfred. How did I forget that How name? How did you forget that name? Okay. So go right ahead. Tell us about Sir Wilfred.
1: I don't know much about him. Uh, like, so Sir Wilfred is like, he, he's kind of our like expert that Zach just happens to know. And he's like, let's go talk mm-hmm. to Sir Wilfred. So they go talk yes. to Sir Wilfred, and he's like, yo, he's going to try to bring back all these 18 of the most evil people on Earth, and they're going to rule hell Basically, he's Mm -hmm. traded his soul to bring these people back to Earth, and they're going to kind of take over the world, basically.
0: Gotcha. Um, Okay, so we got our plan. We understand what the curator's going to do, and the characters all just get together and say, well, what are we going to do about it? What
1: are you going to do about it?
0: I mean, obviously, call the authorities and let them take care of it. No, they're going to go and they're going to take care of it themselves. So Zach and Sarah decide to go back to the waxwork. and don't they get like a book or something to help them trap the curator? I, I thought,
1: what? I th- isn't there, I thought their goal is just to burn the place down.
0: Oh, yeah, their goal is just to burn the place down. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so they got some gasoline. And you know what? If, when in doubt, just burn the entire place down.
1: Yeah, move it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure.
0: Yep. So they sneak it on in, and they just kind of look around, and they decide, yeah, we're going to burn it. We're going to burn it. When they both get Lur, that's the Adam family guy's name. Uh, Lur pushes them into the exhibits, and um, Sarah has a very interesting scene, mm. and it kind of completes her character art, And you kind of started talking about this, so I'll let you finish this one.
1: Oh well, well um, maybe, maybe we should, should we do Zach first because he he kind of bleeds into her. Sure, sounds yeah. good. Yeah, so so Zach basically pops in the Night Living Dead. Um, mm-hmm. He's in this kind of graveyard. All these zombies are coming out. And he more or just less just runs away from them, which mm-hmm. makes this, this entire thing seem a lot less scary. You can just apparently run out of the level. Like, Could, yes. China, could China have just turned around and run up those stairs and disappeared? Could she have just done yes. that? Could, uh-huh. could Tony have just run into the woods and disappeared? Well, not only that, Tony
0: said he didn't believe that it was real. He was just like, oh, you guys just hypnotized me. Like, he didn't believe it was real, so I don't understand why that werewolf killed him.
1: Um, oh, yeah. Well, well I, guess yeah. He, I guess he got scared. That's the thing. Once you get scared. So once John Reese Davis freaks out, it scares him, and he's then he's susceptible. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah.
0: But anyway, so that's the key to surviving this. You got to realize that these wax figurines are not real, and you're in a fantasy land, and you've got to you got you clip your red shoes three times, and you know you'll go home.
1: But what I find interesting is he doesn't. He like maybe we just didn't see it, but he doesn't just run out of it. He runs out from his display into the next display. Yes. Into her display. So he. Uh-huh. So he pops out. Um, he runs out, he runs out of the side of the graveyard and pops down yeah. into this, uh, French. Um, uh, not exactly. Bridge? So
0: what happens is he pops out of the display and then Lure is waiting right there for him. Oh. So immediately he sprints to the nearest display, which is the French display where Sarah's at. Oh, okay. okay I got So yeah, there I, is I, a right. transition. Okay, okay. I was wondering about that. I was like, how yeah. do you get in there?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yep. he, he appears in a, in this like kind of French dungeon and then that's kind of mm-hmm. where we learn what's happening with Sarah. And you want to explain what, what's happening with Sarah?
0: Uh, Sarah is experiencing, um, the same thing that a lot of young girls experience around 13 or 14, especially when they listen to Hanson or, you know, kind of look at Jonathan Taylor Thomas in a different way. She's experiencing her sexual awakening as she is being whipped with whips and chains and all of that as, uh, Marquis de Sade is just doing his thing. Um, and it's a very very sexual scene.
1: Well, and, and like, and we're, we're, uh-huh. we're, to, we're, we're to believe that she's actually like, it's not like, so it, like she's being whipped and flogged mm-hmm. in front of this, uh, kind of prince-like character and the Marquis, the one but who's she's loving him. it. Yeah, she is legitimately loving it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Like, and I can't tell, like, are we, like, Zach comes in and, and accuses her, not accuses, but says like, you know, you're under their control. Is she? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I assume that's what the movie's trying to put forward, that she is because it's, uh, the whole thing is she's got to realize, hey, they're not real. They can't hurt. And yeah, she's, she's kind of, it's like being glamored with the vampires. Look at you teaching me new words. Um, where that's his power. That's the marquis's power. And
1: but she's like actually enjoying it. And he's actually not trying to mm-hmm. kill her, which is interesting. Yeah. Like the prince wants her dead, but the Marquis is not trying to kill her. He's enjoying it. Yeah.
0: So, but yeah, no, yeah. when Zach comes on in, Zach basically says, let's get out of here, Sarah. And Sarah immediately goes to the Marquis and says, no, I want to stay with him. It's weird.
1: Yeah, well, it's, and Zach basically is like, this isn't real. They can't hurt us. Mm-hmm. You said to be not afraid. So he pulls yeah. out this gun that he has and he gives it to the Marquis And he's like, hey, yeah. buddy, I'm not afraid of you. You can't actually kill me. So the Marquis tries uh-huh. to shoot him and he shoots like a sconce next to him. And he's yep. like, oh, fuck. So that kind uh-huh. of knocks her out of it. She's like, oh, shit, I guess this isn't real. Yeah. Uh, but she still is kind of scarred by it, though. Like, she is, she's not. Oh, yeah. Like, this is, this is not something that you can just rub off for her. This is like a, mm-hmm. this is probably a traumatizing event that she's going to, a traumatizing experience, which.
0: Oh, it's definitely going to waken a fetish in her. Definitely, definitely. She's got, to, her next boyfriend's going to have some fun stories to talk about with her. Yeah. But, yeah. So, they,
1: mm-hmm. so they get out of there. They're like, all right, fuck it. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Um, uh-huh. And so they leave. But then as they leave, or after they leave, um, their two friends show up. I can't remember their name. Oh, Jim and Jim and James. What their names are? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, they're just they're shoved into the marquee and to the zombie uh, displays, and are taken. Their souls are taken, mm-hmm. uh, which sends us into our climax. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so at this point, the curator, Lur, and the babyface dude with dwarfism um, kidnap uh, Zach and Sarah, and the friends come on in, and we realize that these two are the final two to be sacrificed. They need. 36 artifacts, they need 36 sacrifices, and they are just two away from completing their project. Um, but what happens is da, 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 the wheelchair man, Sir... Oh God, Wilfred? I forgot his name. Sir Wilfred and his posse and his army decide to barge on in at this time and there is an all-out brawl in the middle of the wax museum. And this is where the movie legitimately became really fun for me. Oh, yeah. This is when I got the Monster Squad flashbacks, because we are treated to about 15 minutes of zombies and um, werewolves and creature freaks and all of these people battling against all these miscellaneous old men.
1: That's awesome. Like, these old men take them fucking down.
0: Yeah. It is It is. It is cheesy. It is funny. um, but yeah, it, it basically becomes a very violent slapstick at this point. And there's some...
1: So... What's, what's, like, where's some standouts? Like, I think China, China, China's a vampire. Yes. And so she tries to seduce Mark, but he ends up killing her. Uh-huh.
0: Yes. Uh, the Bat is my favorite part. Uh, Dracula tries to escape, <laughs> and one person says, Get him! He's turned into a bat! So they literally, like, reach out and grab the Bat out of thin air point a gun at the bat's face as they're holding the bat and just blow his head off so good so good <laughs> that was hilarious uh,
1: love that one see mark fights the marquee but then i think sarah ac- kills him axes him is that sarah
0: yes uh-huh okay. yeah sarah mm-hmm.
1: um and so yeah. they're running around and i think uh when mark is fighting the marquee the um the shop owner I, I don't know, the curator is there uh-huh the, the, the grandpa does grandpa shoot him
0: something like that. This is one of those things where just so much happens so quickly that you just like, you blink and you miss it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens with no. the scene and it's, it's a highlight. At one
1: point, I think Sarah picks up the little, the short the little person and yes. he feeds him to the plant from, um, what's that movie? Little shop of horrors.
0: Yes. Uh-huh. That does <laughs> so happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, there's a zombie hand that's kind of crawling around that comes back later. Oh yes. Uh, but yeah, that's and, that. Oh, so, and I think yeah. at one
1: point, the, the grandpa gets his head ripped off. Like, uh, I think yes. uh, Tony comes back as a werewolf and takes his head off. I think it's after uh-huh. he kills the uh, curator. Uh-huh,
0: yes. Actually, the Marquis does not die because he has a sore fight with Zach at the end of the movie.
1: So. Wait, but I thought... Well, he, he does die, though, because...
0: Oh, yeah, later, later yeah, on. Yeah, but, yeah, um, okay. yeah, Yeah. So um, the final part of the climax is Zach goes into a door that's labeled employees only, and the Marquis follows him, and they have a sword fight uh, right by the wax cauldron where they create all the wax figurines. And eventually what does happen, yes, is Sarah takes an axe and throws it at the Marquis and strikes him right in the back. And that's how it works. So the curator... Um, pulls out a gun, he's out on the balcony in this little employees-only room, and starts to shoot at Zach and Sarah, but uh, the Sir Wilfred comes on in and shoots first, and the curator falls into the vat of wax, and they have this fake-out scene where he kind of stands up and says something like, wasn't the wax amazing? Or something like that? Yeah, maybe? Uh-huh. Something like that. He was just like, did you enjoy the exhibit, or did you join the museum? But that's how it goes. Uh, Werewolf kills Sir Wilfred, and the entire place lights on fire, and our two heroes escape the burning wax museum. GTFO. GTFO. And what happens after that is we kind of cut their, you know, got the establishing shot of our two heroes looking at the fire burning off, and then we get our cliffhanger of the zombie hands just kind of moving its way out of there. Credits roll, and that was Waxwork. It
1: was a very quick ending, though. I was surprised. Like, it, yeah. like, it just ended. Uh, yeah. And I believe, isn't the ending theme, I like, think, wrote my notes, it's, it's my party? Uh, <laughs> isn't it? Possibly. I think it is. Okay, I, it's, I have this written my, in my notes, just it's my party. So I'm assuming that it ends with that song, and that's why I wrote that down. But it's <laughs> so great ending. Great yeah.
0: song. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So final thoughts. What did you think of work?
1: I, you know, I enjoyed it. I, I, again, I, I think love it was the wrong term, but I really enjoy it. I, I think it's a, yeah. it's like a fun, campy movie to watch with your friends. I think it's like, a, it's a, it, to me, it's like a quintessential like '80s weird movie. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it definitely got the nail, like the weird '80s stuff nailed down. I definitely think like it's, it's basically a lesser version of Monster Squad. Like, it doesn't have quite the fun, the funness of Monster Squad. It doesn't have the campiness of Gremlins. It doesn't have. It's kind of a mediocre mash mix of all these '80s horror movie trends, which it's not bad. And there's definitely some really fun moments in there. But overall, I just I felt it's very unfocused and just doesn't quite realize up to the potential it was trying to shoot for. But it was admirable for what it was trying to do. Yeah, so. well, I agree. I think I
1: uh-huh. like, like it's a great concept, and I feel like unfortunately, it only really works in the time period it was created. I think like if we yes. made it today, it would not work as well unless you made it like really intentionally campy, mm-hmm. kind of like final yeah. girls, maybe. Um, yeah,
0: I feel like everyone would be like, "Oh, the only reason why they included this many characters is because they're all royalty-free characters at this point." So yeah, like
1: but, yeah. I, I would, I would actually like to see a movie studio take this on, but mm-hmm. it would, it would, it would, they would have to be very aware, very like. I don't know, I, I I couldn't see us using too many modern horror movies with it. It would have to be like a love letter yeah. to old horror movies again. It would have to be like a love mm-hmm. letter to like, it would have to be Universal making it or something. Yeah. Or like, you know, like, like yeah. a, a Cabin yeah. in the Woods-esque film, basically.
0: Yeah. And keep Tom Cruise away from it. So. Please do. I love it. Actually, <laughs> I love
1: good. Tom Cruise, but...
0: Uh, he's a fantastic actor, but I was just trying to make a reference to that Mummy movie did not work at all. Okay. Oh my god. But
1: he was great. Uh-huh. He was great.
0: Yep. <laughs> Alright. Uh, any other final thoughts?
1: Uh... I don't know. I'm kind of. On, it makes me want to watch the sequel again. Uh, I okay. I definitely made it halfway through last time and stopped, so it probably wasn't very good. But
0: okay, sounds good. Yeah. All right, so that is it for us for today for Predator Screwheads Talk Our Movies. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'd like to give a special shout-out to our opening song again, which is Teddy's Atlas. Uh, the song is called Horror Movie Story. You can get that off the album Children of the Corn. And, Andrew, do we have another movie prepped for next time? Oh, uh,
1: We do not. Would you like to decide it right now?
0: Um, uh, I believe we discussed, because this is one of my personal... Favorite video games of all time. We discussed talking Silent Hill. Oh fuck
1: yeah, let's do it. Do you want? All right. Wait, should we do number good. one or should we do number two? Should we do like a good?
0: Oh, we should do number one. One's
1: pretty good. Two's shit.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Now let's okay. do number one. All right. Um, and let's talk about that because I have a lot to say about that especially just about the games. And I'm gonna geek out so hard. It's gonna be crazy. All right.
1: I will. I will not uh-huh. geek out as much because been a long time. But I will. I will. <laughs> I will be there to support you. All right. Sounds good. Right.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, hope to see you next time. And... I need a catchphrase. Poop. We need a catchphrase.
1: Uh, Poop. I need my coffee. Caffeine, damn it. No. That's um, <laughs> a good one. That's a good uh, one. Uh, what
0: does Ripley say at the end of Alien Resurrection? I'm not your mother.
1: Uh, the end of Alien Resurrection? Yes. I don't know. I think I'm a stranger here myself. When she's like, what's, what's Earth like? She's like, I don't know, Cal. I'm a stranger here myself.
0: Hey, Andrew, what's Earth like?
1: I don't know, Dan. I'm a stranger here myself. Good night, everyone.